0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther.
1: Hello welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. The
0: BBC Essex Gardening Hour, every Saturday from 11. BBC Essex.
1: I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest... Was Mick Lavelle from Rittle University College. Some of the questions we answered range from Christmas cacti to poinsettias to trees. Oh, the range was huge.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.
1: Well before we get to your gardening questions myself and Mick can bring you some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden during the next seven days. Of course that is weather permitting isn't it Mick?
2: Well always as <laughs> <laughs> gardeners were never really satisfied about the weather at the time. So. so what's going to be your first tip then Mick? Well this time of the year, I mean this is the sort of time of year when you're not thinking about visiting gardens but it's the time of the year when our gardens still to look good. There are some excellent winter gardens uh, all round the the uh uh, the, the county and the, and the country even. it's a good time to go and visit gardens which are still open for the winter and to go and have a look and see what's looking good there or people over the garden fence at your neighbours if they're uh, very adept, have a look what's looking good but the real advantage of going to a big garden is going to be labelled, you'll be able to take the name down of what it is and you'll be able to plan to put that into your own garden for next year so you can really take a tip from the pros there
1: I'll tell you what I always thought was a great surprise um, I went to a garden some years ago and I didn't realise how massed Cyclamen can look, and particularly mm. growing them under silver birch, yeah, yeah they look fantastic. Don't they are. They? Like
2: there's some really, I mean, there's all there's the old cyclamen hedrifolium, yep. which are a little bit early flowering, really. It's always it would have been a good reliable one, stone hardy. But some of the uh, more recent Coom um, selections, cyclamen Coom, and some of the uh, hybrids that have been raised are actually very hardy in all but the the very coldest winters. And they do they make an excellent addition. It's like you see that little pink haze underneath. Drawn to it, you, think what is that? And as you get closer, it just ah. looks lovelier and lovelier
1: and I think they're the little things, you know, I'm talking about one instance that I saw at a garden that mm. made me think I should use cyclamen more in planting people's gardens in the right place, of course and that's what we should be looking for isn't it, is
2: tips. Yes indeed, yeah I think that this is the um, that the issue, is that we, as gardeners will tend to read the same books I mean, dare I say, there's some uh, authors just follow the, uh, the lead of the previous sort of authority on this, and yet the professional horticulturists—they have a great deal of enthusiasm, and knowledge, and also imagination in this. And some of the head gardeners I know are really, really good at what they do. And for an amateur, you know, obviously, horticulturists are professional; they do this all the time. For an amateur to go in and just be able to to look at this and to learn from them is really what horticulture is all about. It's all about learning. I mean, I always tell my students: you've got to be always willing to learn more. And Many people just pack up the tools in the shed, you know, get the, uh, the catalogs yeah. and the gardening books out for the winter, read what they read about last year, and they're not moving forward. And it's a good chance to get out there, get your coat on and uh, go out and look at some really good winter horticulture. Now, you
1: talked about staying indoors. Well, the thing that we've <laughs> got to think about indoors, because course, is our houseplants. Houseplants plants still very popular, especially green plants mm. and some of the flowering plants. If you've got green plants particularly, you need to reduce the watering at this time of the year. And that's generally, you think, oh, but the house has got hot. But actually, the reason the plant is not growing is because of the light levels. The light levels have dropped dramatically, and the plants will not be growing as well. They need moisture around them but they do not need to keep being flooded. So yes. reduce the watering but perhaps if you've got a little mister, give them a mist or actually stand them in the sink overnight with water in the in the bottom of the sink that will work really well. Give them a really good drink and then put them back in the place in their house. It's really good uh, idea at this time of year.
2: Yeah, I and mean, people do this, don't they? So there's a law in um, yeah. science um, about chemical reactions, which is all the plants going on inside the plant really, called Blackman's Law of Limiting Factors. And the, the, the Law of limiting in fact, is that you can't have an excess of one thing to offset a shortage of another necessary things. And what plants need, of course, is they need the carbon dioxide, they need the water, and they need light and the right temperature. And like you say, um, it, it's a good tip as well, I always say, to get your uh, plants into a room where it's not particularly they're well heated, yeah, yeah because uh, they will get stressed if they're lacking the light but they get in everything else, and
1: especially as we go towards Christmas, you know, more people in houses and, and people visiting, and you'll get the turn the heating up a little bit, yeah. so keep them away from all those hot spots in yeah. your house
2: and keep them away from that. Um, the, the visitor who always thinks that you don't know how to look after your plants and will secretly go and water. Them. <laughs> I like it, I like it. So, what's the next tip then? I mean, the the next thing, of course, this time of the year is we start doing a lot of pruning. I mean, there's yeah. so many things. I mean, I could talk the next half hour on pruning, but please be assured I'm not going to. But um, it's the sort of time where you start to look at uh, pruning things like apples and pears, as yeah. long as they're not wall trained. I mean, what you really want to, to be doing with the nice is to prune them and get them into uh, shape for the winter, a, a good hygienic prune uh, reducing any side growth, etc., to sort of and encourage dead spurs dead wood getting yeah. dead out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just to really sort of uh, and, and give them. A, it's, it's a good winter service on. There's more to it than just ca- pruning. Of course, grease bands and things like that you put on.
1: It's yeah. really more of a sort out and shape, isn't it? It because is. not it Because we are yeah. still doing more summer pruning as well, aren't we? To Absolutely, encourage yeah. fruit buds. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think it's like one of these things where you can start on those now, but leave them if the wall trained a little bit later. Uh, but also, it's a good time of the year for things. I've like looking at trees. Some of the things like birches. Um, and um, aces, which uh, tend to uh, to bleed uh, if we cook them. uh, The sap rises very early in these, and so uh, if we if the ground's dry as it is at the moment and the leaves fall it's a good time to actually prune them because yeah. they won't bleed they might bleed a bit but trust me if you, if you do them in the spring they'll, they'll actually be like a dripping tap and it's doing the plant no good because that's all the stored food leaking out of it so try and do it now give them if, I mean obviously with trees you try and avoid pruning unless it's really necessary but especially on youngs or smaller specimens shape them up again uh, get rid of any uh, growth which you might not want and uh, it's the time of the year to do it
1: See so Mick's been out of doors and I'm back indoors, because it's a good time (laughs) if you haven't got, or you're not on a mailing list for seed catalogues, and I know a lot of us look online now for seeds as well, and I'm not knocking that at all, but there's nothing nicer than going through a seed catalogue and okay, you might have grown something your dad grew and your granddad Mm. grew, the same parsnip same beetroot, same spinach try something different this year and there's nothing wrong with getting your seeds nice and early Um, you can look after them, they're all in incredibly well packeted today in sealed Mm. packets within the packet. They last for years as well (laughs) if if you look after them. So go through your seed catalogs at this time of year and get those seeds ordered now and then you're deciding. Really, it's it's, it's a job that you're doing during the winter ready for spring. You can't sow much outdoors at all now. You can sow in a cold greenhouse and a few things like that. But think next year succession. What am I going to grow through the year? Will I change lettuces? Will I grow several varieties of lettuces? Perhaps different radishes? Mm. Come on, get those salad crops growing, but think now even though it's not Christmas yet think now ready for next year
2: and the other thing of course new varieties are sometimes in short supply not because they've not had enough seed in a sense but because people all think oh i'll try that Mm. and if you really fancy trying something you get your order in now to make sure you know i sound i know i sound like i'm some sort of advert order now to avoid disappointment but it really is true it is true there's nothing worse than saying we didn't have that we've sent you a substitute and you think well i should have decided the substitute you know so i mean a good time to do it now yeah and the last one, let's go for a hybrid between the two because we've talked about outdoors, Indo- indoors. indoors yeah. Well, many of us have got things like Christmas roses, the Helleborus niger, or many of the other types of uh, hellebores which uh, flower uh, really, it's a bit of a misnomer, the, uh, the Christmas rose, because it rarely flowers before around about um, January, February. The way to bring them on for Christmas, ideally, if you've got a bell jar, a bell cloche, put that over the um, the bloom And uh, just leave a little bit of um, airspace so that it doesn't get um, too humid inside there. But it will bring them on, especially through the day, and they will bloom earlier. The other advantage is if it rains, it won't actually Uh, splash any soil up onto the blooms. If you want that perfect Christmas rose in a pot, christmas day on the table to show everyone what a fantastic amateur gardener you are uh, you really need to start thinking about protecting them and if you're just protecting them from the point of view you think well i don't need it i'm not going to cut it i'm going to leave it out for the beauty of the plant but they still look good don't they yeah I would probably avoid the cloche in that case yeah. because that might make it a bit too tender to take the cloche off when it's cold. Put a bit of straw around the bottom of it, and that will stop the splash of the uh, if it rains. I would say if it rains at the moment, <laughs> but, I mean, doesn't seem to <laughs> rain much, does it? <laughs> but I mean, these are these are the sort of things that would always have been done, you know. But again, by professionals to make sure we get that perfect plant. So it's just a case of. Uh, Get out there in the garden, like and, I say.
1: And the other are, if they haven't got round to actually cleaning off all the dead, because you sometimes get dead leaf at the bottom, you, you can do that at the same time, can't yes you? Just indeed, tidy yeah, up yeah. the plant as well.
2: Yeah, Yeah. Give it a good. I mean, look, all that dead uh, leaf is usually the source of any sort of reinfection. Yeah, get of rid of, of it out the way. Like that, yeah. Out the garden. Indeed.
1: So, so there you are. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few tips for the next seven days, and uh, you only find those on the podcast.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.
1: Some top tips there to keep you busy in the garden this week. And let's go to your calls now. And let's kick off straight away with Dave from Prittlewell. Hello, Dave. Morning, gentlemen. Gorgeous morning. morning, But I'm
3: sitting in the patio having a coffee.
1: (laughs) Good for you. Yeah,
3: why not? Right, the question is, last year I lost all my apples through the preferable maggots and that because I couldn't get out to put any bands or anything. Uh, uh-huh. I've done it this year, but I've also brought a winter wash to spray the tree with. But I understand you can't spray it really until all the leaves are gone. Now, my the apple tree I've got is still full of leaves. Can I do it now or do I still have to wait?
2: Well, you say it's full of leaves. I mean, if the leaves are all sort uh, of basically all yellow and about to fall off, it won't be too detrimental to the plant. In in, from that point of view, but um, I would realistically wait. You know, there's no there's no need to. I mean, there's going to be no benefit from doing it now compared to doing it in the middle of um, next month and quite frankly if we get another couple of nights of frost like this those leaves will just be dropping off here and everywhere yeah. the plant won't keep older them for long it's only because it's been mild and we've had these sort of you know very little cold nighttime temperatures that the still hanging on to them so just have patience i I, I understand your anxiety to get out there and do it but but i mean the the real issue just just wait a little bit and think like you know i will get out there i will conquer this uh, problem
1: it's interesting dave because we look after a garden up near harlow and in fact he's got a line of fruit trees in sort of avenue of trees in fact Pear and and apple and they are all. I mean, actually, a lot of them are still green. The leaves yeah. on them, mm-hmm. which is it seems very strange. Because some areas you go to, the leaf has gone completely, and another area you go to, and they're still on.
3: Still it, on it all yeah. it, 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 depends. It, really. I can still oh. do it next month. Then you can.
2: Oh, yeah, it's not yeah.
1: a problem, Dave at all.
2: It's just a oh. matter of geography whether your whether your tree loses its leaves early or not. If you're in a bit of a frost hollow, it, they will have gone already. Dave, don't
1: right, forget. Oh, Dave, Dave. hang on, Dave. Just oh, sorry. You, hang on, Dave. You've said put you're putting bands round. Yes. Yeah. The other thing you want to look out for is pheromone traps as yeah, well. Yeah, it was yeah. out early in the year. Yeah. All right. Uh, early in
2: the year. Right, put, next uh, drive.
4: About, about, eight, eight, about April. Yeah, April
2: April just time. before bloom. Yeah. All
4: right. Right. Oh,
1: lovely. Thanks very much. Thanks for your help. And we'll no nice. expect well, and was expect a nice um, a nice uh, box of apples without maggots. What do you reckon there?
2: Well, I think so, yeah. He would to be polite, really, wouldn't he? Yes, it would be. <laughs> and
1: I hope he enjoys his... Uh, he didn't say where he was. He just did Dave in Brittlewell having a coffee. 0300 mm. 200 0-3- That's the number to call. And uh, someone sent us a, a message as well. And the message comes through on uh, 81333. Mm. Um, and just start your message with the word Essex. And this says, uh, I have an amaryllis in leaf. You have said it probably will flower next year. In the meantime, can I cut these leggy leaves off? It's a bit of a wasted space with no flowers on the side. Thank you. Well, it depends what stage it's at, doesn't it? You if can't the leaves tell. are
2: green, no. I mean, don't, don't you do not push them off, would you? It, it, just cutting them off because it's a bit of a waste of space, it's not flowering. That's like a punishment, really. If you, Those leaves, if they're green, they are producing um, food for what's essentially. Uh, the bulb is a stem with a whole series of swollen and modified leaf bases that store food ready for the next uh, stage of growth so when it's got green leaves on it you must let them carry on photosynthesizing to produce plenty of um, food for the plant and that's where it will store all these starches and it's only by that mechanism will it have enough energy to be able to produce the flowerscape which then comes up because they frequently emerge with no leaves, so they're completely dependent. That's why when you get these great big, uh, you know, the Dutch when prepared you them, ones, yeah. the ones that look like you know, sort of they're going to weigh about half a hundred weight when you get these things, you know, they, they, they've been prepared to be absolutely full of food to get really good flowers. Now, what you
1: said is prepared, and of course they're cooled and and made so that they will flower yes. around Christmas time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that prepared means cooling, doesn't it?
2: It does. Well, it's, it's about the temperature regime, because the Amaryllidaceae, which is the family which the... Uh, we're we talking we talk about Amaryllis. What we're really talking about is Hippiastrum. Yes, uh, and uh, unless you've got the amaryllis so the South African ones, which go outside, so the hippie are the big flowers on them. Um, they're, they're from South America, and they go through a particular environmental uh, set of conditions where they before flowering a wild. So, what professional horticulturists do is that they they, uh, they just put them through a period of warm to get the flower initial, then they put them through a period of cold to start to get them ready so that the, the roots will grow. So, when you put them into a pot it's fantastic it's now spring let's get to business so they've done a lot of the work for you just by putting them into different temperature regimes now it's more difficult to reproduce that in the house I mean what really is the ideal thing is to almost put the uh, the thing out during the summer so it gets the warm period and then let it cool down a bit inside obviously not frost like this uh, and only bring it into the warmth once it starts to produce a flower bud sometimes you can keep the leaves on it artificially long, but it's been a mild autumn. So it has indeed. You just live with it, the thing will uh, reward you for looking after it.
1: Now Thelma's dropped us a, a line as well on 81333 with Essex on the front, and don't forget that phone number is 0300 200 40 41. Um now, Selma, Selma I, I, I'm going to come back to you, Selma, because can you, can you define what your question is on that, Selma? I know you're listening. Uh, you're saying you've got two clumps of what looks like Rebecca, uh, but I'd like to know what you're trying to ask. Is it what the plant is or is it how to look after it? But John from Waltham Abbey, uh, you're also wanting to talk about amaryllis. Is that right? You, you're saying you don't never cut the leaves off. Is that right, John? No, I always cut the leaves off. When do right you back cut to the base but when do you cut them off is so important
5: End of October
1: that's interesting you mm-hmm. see
5: and then I put it in the dark yeah yeah mm-hmm. and um, I trim the root in um, sort of new year time and change the uh, growing medium
6: mm-hmm.
5: and uh, then it comes up again as it's done every year since 1995.
1: That's not a bad amount
2: yeah. of time, is yeah. it? So, so I mean, yeah. you, you've you've got those leaves. Are they still bright green when you're taking them They're off, huge. or are they starting to yeah,
5: fade? They, they, yeah, there was nine of them this year. They actually were like a fan. It looked beautiful, but uh, I believe in cutting them off and resting it.
2: Well, you do. The bulb needs to go into resting, and mean, normally people would sort of try and dry them off a bit. So, but by the time you are describing, they start to, to wither back. But I mean, yeah, well, um, what, I, what, I, what yeah. I do
5: is I give it a last decent feed um, in mid October.
0: Hmm.
5: And then I don't put any more water on it at all.
2: And
0: yeah. then
5: at the end of October, when it's gone totally dry, I just chop them off.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you, put, you... You've got the, um, the timings right, so it's produced enough food. I mean, it's clearly it's working for you, so I can't say anything yeah. other than that. Yeah, well, it, but, um, it's, it's flaring
5: yeah. cycle is March, Like yeah. March.
2: Yeah, of course, yeah. Now so I think it the thing is,
5: leaves what it's right through for sort of seven months.
2: Yes, of course. But I think what you've done is you've actually you've formulated a plan. What most people do is they look at these things and think, what do I do next? So you've got if with anything like that, if you've got a plan, you think right, I'll keep it going all the way through the summer, so it's keeping healthy, and then. As you see, the feeding, the feeding
1: you, regime's right.
2: Absolutely, and you've got a plant to, at this stage, you're going to dry it off, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're saying to the. Taken,
5: sorry, the leaves got, have taken up an awful lot of goodness because they're huge, so they've actually done a lot of work putting the stuff back into the bulb. Yes, sure. Yes, right.
2: absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the leaves basically are manufacturing sugars, which then get stored as starches in the bulb. So what you're mm. doing is is spot on. Mm. I think it's. it. Sometimes
1: it. We're saying cut the leaves off, but we're saying cut the leaves off for a reason, mm. or, or we're saying leave the leaves because they might have not produced enough energy to help the amaryllis. Yeah, Do, don't, you agree, on, don't you
5: agree, John? Each year, I think they would have just carried on growing. But yeah. I'd also like to point out, back then they were expensive, and the bulbs mm. were of good quality. And there's a lot of bulbs around now, I believe, that are not quite so good.
2: I've... No. Well, people want cheaper items, so they get you know things which aren't really. Um, uh, grown for as long. I mean, a lot of the bulbs you see now wouldn't have made grading in the past. Yeah.
5: Well, this this was bought from my mum Christmas 1994, and it cost mm-hmm. about eight quid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I bet, mean, I, it, I
5: bet
1: it was big as well. Was it huge? Uh,
5: it it wasn't enormous. It's 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 quite big now, and it actually still in the same pot. I won't even change the pot with it.
1: Mm. No, they like same pots. No. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Sounds like you've got a goodie there, John. Thank you very much for coming to (laughs) us on that. It's very interesting to hear how you look after it and other people, I'm sure, can follow your method for the future, yeah?
5: Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers.
1: Thank you, John. And there's John from Waltham Abbey with information about his amaryllis. Have you... Do you grow amaryllis? And don't forget, come on, uh, Thelma... Exa- explain what you're trying to trying to talk to us about. Are you trying to find out the variety of the flower? Uh, let's talk to Colin in Harwich now about his sprouting broccoli. Hello, yeah, Colin. Morning,
5: Ken. Morning, morning Mick. Morning. You, morning to you, And, uh, yeah, purple sprouting broccoli. Uh, I'm getting two trains of thought from different people about whether to take the growing tip out. Now... One, one old boy swears by it and says, no, you must take the growing tip out, and the other chap says, well, if you do, then the resulting sprouts will be smaller.
2: So, to, to well, they nip will nip out or not? They will, they'll, but they'll, they'll get more. <laughs> they will, but they'll be more numerous. I mean, the, the, the simple ah. fact of the matter is that you probably get a slightly higher yield by nipping it out because you'll get more flowers on there, but each one will be smaller, so you... you it, <laughs> if you haven't got much time to go picking, you can leave the top to go and you can just go and take them in 10 minutes, whereas if you're prepared to go and keep nipping them off. The other thing is as well, the side shoots won't all ripen at the same sort of time.
1: That's right, you'll get a spread spread time for actually picking them. Yeah,
2: and if you don't even, oh, well, that's better. It, it, depending on the winter, if you don't even uh, take them out too tight down the, the stem, if, you, if, you know, if you're not looking mm-hmm. for a long tender stem, you might even get the odd one coming uh, even beneath those. But, I mean, realistically, you're only going to get off, off a plant sort of one... Sort of cropping cycle for this, you know, because it's there are the flowers, of course, coming through. So yeah, I, both are right. But then uh-huh. this, this is the old. There's a guy that I used to work with when I first started lecturing, old guy called Sam Jackson. He was a fantastic horticulturist, <laughs> and his old um, adage was: if you get ten gardeners in a room and you ask them the same question you may well get ten different answers. Very true. And it's because there are different ways of doing things. And what you've got to think about is, from the point of, uh, as a horticulturist, as a professional, I have to try and look at the way of maximising the sort of thing uh, from a commercial standpoint, Okay. Whereas Mm. if you are looking at this from the point of view of, uh, you know, what you prefer to do, you you might just think, well, I can put a bit more effort in. You know, you're not paying yourself any wages. There's no uh, economic imperative. You can just do as you wish, yeah. You've got a question about mushroom compost? Is that right, Colin?
5: Yes, Ken and uh, and Mick. Yeah, Um, I I bought a big builder's bag of mushroom compost, Mm -hmm. 1,600 litres, and dug masses of it into my vegetable beds. Mm -hmm. But uh, once again, (laughs) the, the two gardeners I've spoken to have said, it's good stuff,
2: but don't use it more than once every five years.
1: It's because of the chalk content in it. Yeah, it depends
2: on your on your soil. If you um if you've got a particularly acidic soil that you would normally lime, it's not really a major problem. So I say I say you'd normally lime, but things like say for instance, if you're growing brassicas and you've got a very acidic soil. Um, you'd need mm. to lime it in order to make sure you avoided things like club roots, etc. You know? so, so, I mean, you, you could use mushroom compost in lieu of that. You, if you're going to use mushroom compost regularly, what I would say is buy yourself a little soil testing kit. You can get them for, a, you know, a 10 or all thereabouts uh, for a pH mm-hmm. test. Uh, what you need to do is you need to um, take the um, the sample of that, and it's just a simple. You imagine like litmus paper. It, it's as simple as reading litmus paper. Once you, you just go through the process, have a look. It settles usually in about twenty minutes. You'll get a colour reading. We compare against a chart, and if you if you start to get your pH rising, it, it's not a good idea. Get some manure or something in next year because that will acidify the. So even uh, well-rotted manure right. will tend to acidify. Because yeah. people think wrongly that um, mushroom compost is horse manure which and it's not it's straw and various additives and one of the additives they put in mm. there to control the acidity is chalk dust and the, this yeah, a lot of chalk. Well, pulled a, yeah. pulled quite a lot of chalk out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, very, yeah. it's very, very alkaline. So so that's like the trick with mm. it. So the right look the same, but I mean, in a sense, it's a case of not, Depend- not about whether they're right well, they're or not, right.
1: not. They're not necessarily right depending on your soil. Yeah, <laughs>
2: well, there's, well, there's probably no <laughs> soil on their allotments. You know? But I mean, I think it's one of those things where you think, it's, it's all very well someone being right, but you, as a, whole, you know, as a gardener, you know, the key list, you want to sort of think, well, why are they right? How how am I going to use that information? Because otherwise you're just accepting yeah. it as, as folk. Almost, you know. So, so like I say, get yourself a little soil test kit. Will do you no harm. When you once, once you've got used to these pH testing, you go and get another one. You can do all your nitrogen testing and things like. That. It's, it's it is easy enough to do, and the kits are set up so mm-hmm. that an amateur doesn't have to have a laboratory in order to do so. You know. All right, and what sort of pH does it need to be for? A good if you're looking at um, brassicas, you want it to be just below oh, seven, same. about six point five to seven is, is is the perfect range. But you don't want it to drop below right. six. You don't want it to go above about seven point five. All
5: right, right, that's smashing. Yes. I've
2: written that down absolutely that
5: fantastic. It. Okay, okay. <laughs> all the very
1: best. They are, there's a man with his purple sprouting broccoli and his mushroom compost mm-hmm. salted, as simple as that. Um, and Cyril in South End is saying, Why are my Brussels sprouts blowing? Mm.
2: Um, it's, well, I would
1: have thought it's it, it's got it's weather conditions, isn't yeah, it? I
2: think it's too if dry, it's been very dry, yeah, and also if you've um. Been sort of a bit overexcited and selling them a bit early. I mean, um, certainly I know that my father-in-law up in Scotland, he um, had problems with his Brussels this year. He's had to just take them all out because he, he did them a bit early. And um, and this, it's early in you know, a
1: warm autumn, which meant that they're actually they're not they're w- not handling the right situation. A warm
2: autumn and also a little bit of a cool um, period in the summer. August wasn't yep. really blazing temperatures, so it wasn't awful, but it it cooled down after a very hot July. Uh, June and July and a dry period early on plants get all sorts of stress hormones within them and the, the the culmination of this is they start to act as if it's spring and what do buds do in the spring? They open and what are Brussels sprouts? They're just tight little buds, buds. on the side of the plant
1: However, he does go on to say yeah. the other sprouts are tiny <laughs> <laughs> Well, they'll, they'll blow as well, won't well They, I mean, they might thought, not actually yeah, he's, The trouble is at this time of the year you can't do a lot to save a crop because you can't feed it up no because it's too late it's not absorbing food is it yeah there's nothing you really can do
2: it happens I mean there are years when you have disasters with any crop really and often it's not because you've done anything different it's because the season you can't predict the season you can't be a prognosticator of knowing exactly what's going to happen with the weather and so sometimes some crops don't do well but that's why But you've got to remember the years when you get bumper crops and that's what, <laughs> that's what it's about
1: I'm going to go back to Thelma so I'm going to read it out to you See if you can get, get what she's get to saying I have one. two clumps of lovely flowers They look, oh, I think she's trying to find out what they are They look like Rebecca Or rudybeckia Or mm-hmm. flowers But have thick, finely spiked stems Same round the edge of the silvery green leaves can And they can get into your skin So they're not Rebecca, Are they? No, mm. wonder what else um, they could be. Or they could be one of the different hybrids of it, couldn't it? Because
2: the the problem is, there's quite a lot of uh, really bristly, daisy flowered things that come from uh, the United States, in particular, from the, pra- and the, they're the from prairie that, plants. Yeah, yeah, Rebeca's from there, of course. And so, um,
1: difficult to know. Uh, hard
2: to, yeah, if. <laughs> I realised picture messaging, uh, the, the cost of it, an absolute scandal, of course, which you can send us uh, a, a picture of it. Like, or oh, you like could email, it, email to us. it to us, yeah. Yep. Um, that would help us greatly because, like I say, that. The problem is, can I just make this point, this might say, well, sure, can't be that many daisy flowers. The Asteraceae, which is the daisy family, is the biggest family of plants with over 21,000 species in there. So you have to forgive us for not really having too much of a stab at what it might be just at the moment. If you can actually see a picture of it, that might give us a little bit more of a steer.
1: So there are. you can do just that. And in fact, I'm going to show Mick a picture of an azalea. Uh, It's obviously an outdoor azalea, and she's saying that the leaves are going red to brown. Mm. Um, Is this a problem? It's better than describing it, which um, possibly are quite right, sending pictures. Uh, out of interest, the uh, email is ken.crowther at uk. which if uh, if you're actually listening on a podcast you can send your queries that way as well. Do you know, for
2: a second then, I thought you were saying that you'd sent the email there. No, 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 They're <laughs> like asking it's your a, own questions. It's not a <laughs> sp- <laughs> He's cheeky, this man.
1: Anyway, it's a squirrel seems to be suffering from leaves turning brown, stroke red. Is this normal for an evergreen shrub? Sometimes yes, is I'm, the answer, isn't just, it?
2: Just looking at that, in the middle of, the, um, of each uh, branch, and yep. looking from above, all the leaves are green towards the top. Yeah that's a good sign. What you've got to remember is the, the, the real sort of trick with evergreens is brown leaves below, green leaves above is still generally speaking normal. Brown leaves at the top, green leaves below, that's bad news. So okay. there could be a variety of causes for it, but that's when the plants suffered some damage. And uh, they do sometimes get a bit leggy. I know, certainly, yeah. well, as, a, as an ex-rhododendron grower. Color. Yeah, well, we've well, I started off my time as an apprentice gardener up in the Lake District and growing, growing rhododendrons on a huge estate there. And um, we had banks of these um, Japanese-style azaleas, and, um, which, are, which are now all classed as rhododendrons. So it's all, of course. So, so they're just the sort of evergreen ones. And, of course, they will start to drop leaves lower down. Those leaves will last maybe two to three years. Unless you can encourage growth from the base you will start to get a slightly leggy plant. So the trick is in the spring to get the, what I always describe to to my students as emergent stems. So ones which are coming out from the main, you can actually see some clear stem, cut those back and try and keep a nice dome shape on the whole thing. And you don't go too harsh on them in any one year. And over about three to four years, you'll establish a nice rounded dome shape, which will be covered in flowers each year. And that's really what you're aiming
1: for. He's doing well with flowers, so yeah, yeah. Benny, I would not be concerned, would no, you? No, not
2: really, no. There's a thing that instantly jumped out about saying it was... I mean, it might just be that he got a little bit um, dry at some point in the, uh, the summer. Rhododendrons generally are very sensitive to uh, to drying out.
1: yeah well, that's he'd, uh, Peter Ellis, that was four, and he was at Ken uh, Ken.com. Uh, and we now go back to the phones. The phone number, of course, is 0300 200 40 41. There's a line free at the moment, so get your calls in there. And you can text us into the studio on 8133. We go to Mick in Builderstone. Uh, tell us, uh, you're updating us. Is that right, Mick? Well,
6: that's right, yeah. I, I rang you last week and uh, explained that we got loads and loads of shrubs, in the garden, and we oh, just didn't recognise
1: them. That's right, and we said, take take pieces. This I'm just re- reiterating what, I, what we yep. said. We said, cut some pieces off, go to yep. your local garden centre or, or nursery, didn't we? Yep. And get them identified, and they should be able to help you. How did you get on? That's them? right.
6: Well, it got gone really quite well. We um, we took nine uh, samples uh, of stuff we didn't recognise, and the guy there got eight of them, <laughs> That's good. We followed it up by looking on the internet and then our various books we've got, and yep. he was right on pretty much everything, which was really uh, quite impressed. Actually, I was a little bit doubtful that uh, he might not, uh, might not want to do that or, or wouldn't be able to do it properly, you know. But he's really
1: good, really yeah, pleased with that.
2: It's professional he, pride, you see. He gave you good. <laughs> yeah. he, they, I, I don't
1: mind. Where did you actually go, Mick? Because especially as you you're being complimentary, where did you go?
6: Well, can I tell you the name of the company? Yes, where did you go? Yeah, it's, uh, it's Wyvales
1: near uh, near Sudbury. Yvaux mm. Sudbury. Right, mm. I know the one. Yeah. yeah. I know where it yeah, is, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, that, that's uh,
1: really that's really nice to think that you've got good advice because uh, yeah. it varies. Let's say it varies.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, with with all, in the greatest respect to garden if you went in on a Saturday and asked one of the Saturday sort of, uh, helpers. Sort of helpers, you might find they didn't know. But um, certainly, I know that um, a number of um, my own students and students on other courses, say for instance, the, the further education courses, go on working these garden centres, and they probably. There's yeah, probably days when, when they're thinking, I wish someone would stretch me a little bit, you know, in, in another way. So they probably thought, as soon as you went in, they thought, ah, a challenge, you know, let's see if That's, I can get to the yeah. bottom. That's yeah, great. It's re- yeah.
1: Really nice. And did they give, give you help on on the pruning and when to prune? Well, um, we've, we've read that up. Good.
6: Um, and... Um, you know, I've got uh, so, some of them cut tips back after flowering. Some are hard in late spring. Some are mm-hmm. late winter, early spring. There's that uh, seems to be a whole range. So okay. I've written it all down. So we're
1: you're you're working. That. So you're now working around the garden. Yeah.
6: Well, that's right. But we're now I think we probably have to go back another couple of times because we've got <laughs> still more of the things that we don't recognise. But okay. Uh, it's quite good, but can I ask you? And um, just
1: on that, if you get totally stuck, you can always send samples to us here at the station, and oh, okay. we and we'll look them up. But it's obviously quicker and nicer mm. to do yeah. uh, to do it, you know, face to face. Yep.
6: Yeah. And we actually spent quite a lot of money in there as well. So, oh, well, that's um, even better. For oh well, oh, okay. so, oh, so, so, so
2: everyone's happy, really. In the end, <laughs> yeah, I think
6: so. Yeah, yeah. Right. What else one, did... uh, one plant um, that uh, I did uh, I particularly like is a Himalayan honeysuckle, a lace lacesteer. formosa, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Pheasantberry uh, is another uh, name for it. If
6: yeah. fascinating not <laughs> Um but um, we, you know, s- s- some of the uh, deciduous stuff are dropping their leaves now, and. Uh, Revealing the fences and the ground, which are covered with ivy. Yeah, mm. and I want to know how, how do I get clear it out really why other and dig it out
2: if you talk to any of my year degree students about this they would sort of shake their heads and say don't ask Lavelle." they would just tell you to get rid of it we, we have to move it by hand really spraying just really doesn't work very well on it's ivy. got a,
1: it's got it, a very waxy yeah. leaf and it's uh, also
2: quite resistant to all is, herbicides yeah? yeah um and so you have to really uh, pull it all up you know so get um i mean depending on how far apart your, your um, shrubs are You can actually get a spade underneath and just takes a little bit of effort, but slide it along flat on the ground and you can actually almost roll it up like a carpet. That won't completely get rid of it, right? You will get some regrowth in the spring, but it's it's easy to deal with then.
1: Yes, because when you look at an ivy new growth, it's very bright green. It's bright green and it's soft. And then you could use something like a Roundup, which is glyphosate based, and that will then get rid of it. But it's getting it to that
2: stage. Even a hoe will go through to that stage, yeah. But the the trick is get it up off the ground now and then wait wait until the spring. And uh, as it starts to warm up, got a nice deep mulch down on there something something like some uh, uh, maybe the recycled compost that you get from the council or something like that, or your own compost oh, yeah, if you have yeah. got it um the we used this certainly uh, one of the areas at the uh, the campus and we moved the um the ivy from but the plants really reacted well to it we got ours ours was from uh, not not the Chelmsford borough it was was one near birch where you can buy this commercially and we but you buy a load of this and it's certainly worthwhile really giving it a good mulch after you've removed okay it.
6: okay so I'll get out of there get out of there
2: today unfortunately um, it's I'll elbow grease it yeah but it's worth yeah
6: mulching <laughs> it and then uh, i wouldn't mulch a...
2: it now because the soil's going oh, right. to get quite cold it's, so what i would dry do as yeah well. so i would <clears> get get yourself get the ivy away clear it all um and then mm-hmm. sort of any any bits of regrowth in the spring just pull that out and then give it a good mulching then around about oh, uh, april that, time okay, okay.
1: Come back to oh, us if you've God. got any more questions. No problem at all. Yeah, <laughs> okay. nice talk to you. Bye. Yep. Bye. Hey, oh, that's Mick who's come back and got some good advice from, uh, from, from garden centres. Yes, there's lots of great garden centres out there with plant managers and plants, well, people working on the plants that really know their stuff. So they don't be afraid to ask. Beverly in Canoodon. Hi, Beverly. What you got Hello. for us? Hello. What Morning. you got?
7: Um, I have a Perovskia blue sky. Mm-hmm.
1: Beautiful.
7: Well it would it should be. I would <laughs> like it to be. Um this is its second winter. Yep. Um it's all straggly and tatty and yeah. horrible and I it, don't know how to get it to how it should be.
2: Well, I mean the thing is don't put don't cut it down too early unless it's if it's starting to fall down on other plants and cause you know or stre- line across paths or anything its own. Yeah, so so, but just leave it in, there. cut it back around about um, end of February, March, you know, after the worst of the winter weather, right. and just give it a really quite a good haircut, good haircut. D- d- down to about you know probably about depending on how big it's grown now in the pot. Usually well, it's, it's about, about four to six inch long. Um, yeah, so I would take it down to about maybe about sort of a six, seven inch uh, uh, st- stems at the bottom. Yeah, so a really good haircut and let it grow from the base. It's strongest right. when it grows from the base.
3: Right. That's fine. Okay. Okay, I will do that.
2: Not a problem.
1: Okay. One one of my favourite is Perovskia blue spire. I think it's really impressive. It you does can,
2: need a bit of space, though, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, yeah. It can grow pretty big, <laughs> but very impressive because it's got it's got, that, it's got that
1: silvery silvery sort of leaf. It is and a lovely plant. Blue yeah. spikes coming off. Oh, yeah, magic. Let's uh, go back to Hilda, who uh, has been patiently waiting. Hilda, so, <laughs> right. now come on, Hilda. You are the first person to mention this plant. What plant is it?
2: Oh, it's got oh, to be just a poinsettia. Oh, it's a poinsettia. <laughs> <laughs> it's not yeah, even I've, December yet
4: though. <laughs> no I bought one last year yep. and it wasn't very big but it lasted and the bracts lasted till about April mm, Right, so I was very pleased with it when they dropped off I, I've kept it and watered it and looked after it it's lovely now it's growing smashing but I haven't got any bracks on it, and somebody mm. told me I've got to put it in the dark. Now, is this right?
2: Right. Depends. <laughs> it's, it's it's about the length of dark it gets, OK? Now, what yeah. you it's it's all very well shutting stable doors after horses are bolted and all that. What you should really have done is kept it in a room which was going to be sort of not too warm. So it's a room which would be maybe about, you know, slightly chilly, but about four, 14, 15 degrees. You live in a like, flat, perhaps the yeah. bedroom yeah. So, but then it's... Ah, now the thing is, the bedroom's not a good place unless you... Because you go in there, you turn the light on, oh, even light. a few, you know, the 30 seconds, a minute of light will interrupt this nighttime process. And what a oh, point setter see, needs, yeah. it needs a constant period of over 12 hours of dark.
4: Oh, I see, yeah. And it
2: mustn't be interrupted. It's a sacking of offence in a poinsettia nursery to go in and turn the lights on at night, sort of thing, because it can really damage this process. Oh, and, oh um, so made it. Mess of it now, then. <laughs> no, well, the thing is, you can always put it into something like you might get some bracts, but it won't yeah. really be ready and for some, Christmas. Some of like. the
1: newer varieties actually produce bracts on their own, don't they?
2: Yeah. As well. you know, there are that some is. which are less light dependent, yeah. but I mean, even at that, they, they will they never. some. You, you, they won't yeah. produce masses, really. It, they? It's, it's just part no. of the basic physiology of the plant. It's, it's, you it's, can yeah. cover it with a dustbin bag. Yeah, you could do it as long as the top you keep. Some yeah. have gone a lot
4: lighter. Yeah. Cuz they've not gone red.
2: Well, the thing is, if you can keep the light out, like I say, but put, it, a black bag over put a black bag it. over okay. it as Ken says, and then uh, only overnight though. <laughs> remember to take it off in the day cuz it does need light still. It's still that's alive. Thought, yeah. You know, I yeah. can't
4: put it in the dark all the time, you know. No, no, no I do, do it overnight. Yeah. I was doing. Okay, that's lovely. Thanks can for you much Hilda, your help. Hilda, yeah.
1: come back and let us know how you get on?
4: I will do. Yeah, come
1: yeah. back near Christmas and let <laughs> us know. We want to hear from you whether you're successful. And we go to Sue in Hockley now. Sue in Hockley, you've got a fuchsia, haven't you?
7: Well, I did have Ken.
1: Um, tell us. Yep. Um, what's happened to Come, to, to, yeah, happened come, to, come to
7: this horrible
1: new disease. Well, so it's what? fuchsia mite. You mean yes? yes? yes. You, so, remember, it's not a disease. It's a it's, it's a, a mite. Pest, yeah. It's a pest. All
7: oh, right. Okay. Sorry. But, and no, um, it's
1: all right for other I people can't, listening.
7: Right down to ground level. Yeah. Um, Broke my heart to do it because it was beautiful, but there we go. Um, Just wondering, if it doesn't spring back into life next year and I'd have to dig the roots up, will I be able to put a replacement fuchsia there or do I need to put something else? Do you know, my
2: my, my inclination (laughs) is always, if there's been something that's had a problem and you replace it with the same thing, the problem's likely to reoccur. If you get something in there which is... um, Sort of um, which isn't the same, but but gives the same effect. I mean, for a long time, people would say to me, I don't want to move off fuchsias particular, but people would say to me about um, lupins, which of course yeah. anyone who tries to grow them down this part of the uh, the world where it's not really particularly windy will say, oh, we always get aphids, and some yeah. people say, well, so I can't grow them. I say, grow a thermopsis instead. And I say, what's that? And I say it's tall plant with um, these uh, pea flowers on it you know, it does the same sort of job. Right, so okay. there are alternatives you could think about something like say for instance a phygelus which is a cape mm-hmm. uh, fuchsia which will, uh, uh, is not a fuchsia it's a, they call it a cape fuchsia but it's uh, just a, a plant from South Africa it doesn't get yeah. the mite or you could try something like one of the penstemons and we always think about penstemons having great big bell shaped flowers but there are some species particularly which have smaller ones yeah, so, yeah. so there this are options. A,
7: this is a hardy annual fuchsia yeah. Yes. Um It was the White
1: Knight's Blush. Yeah. yeah. Right, now let's just go through it, because what, what you've done is correct, but remember that where you've removed debris, and I hope you haven't kept it in the garden, any of the debris, it should have gone out of the garden completely. Did you get rid yeah, of it? it's gone
7: into the council's greenweed. Good, that's what I like to hear, running.
1: yeah. Now, the thing is that there's a very good chance that the mite is still around yeah. and will reappear next year. However, uh, it is worth trying to use an insecticide on the plant when it emerges next year. Right. Okay. So, um, Bug Clear Ultra is, the I think, the only one that is now uh, it's
2: only available, is, is is yeah. available
1: yeah. that you can use mm. that will be suitable. Okay. So, Try that next spring, and yeah. as, but if it does reappear early on, dig it out and get rid of it. Because all we, all we're doing, trying to do, is we're suggesting, and the RHS recommend. Dig and throw away because if not, it's going to spread and spread and mm-hmm. spread and spread and, okay. spread and be a nightmare.
7: So, at what point in the year would I know that?
1: You'd know very early on. You'd know early summer.
2: Yeah, the, the, the shoots start to really die back quite um, quickly.
1: And you get this curling and yeah. crusting. That it just yeah, won't grow yeah. properly. No, it just so won't grow properly.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it right, okay. So it's either going to grow and look okay, or it's going to grow and look awful.
1: Yep, yep. And, you're and look and look for any little shoots that are, go, are going crumpled at the end and you'll mm. know that it's still yeah. got the okay. mite. Alright?
7: Okay. Thank you.
1: That's alright. No uh, a bit of a problem that one and uh, it is, it's yeah, like yeah. many of the diseases that enter the UK, you know, we can't do much about it. They are often come airborne. They're not always shipped in by plants, are they? Mm. A lot of mm. them are airborne from the continent, yeah. aren't they today?
2: Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is, is also, also people bringing plants back from the holidays as yeah. well. You know, we do it quite legitimately because not the same controls on an amateur that there is on a yeah. professional, unfortunately. O
1: 0300 200 40, that's that number to call, as Sue in Hockley did, talking about her fuchsias o 0300 200 40, 41. we've got a couple of texts to deal with, and they've come in on 8, 1, triple three with a message, putting Essex on the front. But there is a line free on o 0300 200 40, What are you, growing? Nice to get a point set question in, uh, in November, <laughs> isn't it? Um, now, let's... Um, uh, this is from Bev. She bought a camellia. Uh, she says says it's a winter variety. It's all in bud with pink white flower. A winter variety. Well, they're late winter, early spring, yeah, aren't yeah. they?
2: Um, there are some which are a little earlier. I mean, yeah, like like <laughs> if you were growing them in Cornwall, there would be a winter camellia. If you're growing them uh, in East Anglia where it's drier. And usually, in the winter colder than Cornwall, it will be a spring variety, you know, a, like the, the, cook, the depend, earliest daffodils are always in the West Country, say, for instance, you know, so that's all that that really refers to. But be wary of when they say things like it's a winter variety, it depends who's sold it you and where it was bred.
1: Now, it's uh, it's all in bub with pink and white flowers, mm-hmm. is it safe to plant in the ground with frost? Well, it will have been grown under... It'll be protected a little bit, wouldn't yeah. it? When I mean, the camellias
2: were, were generally not considered fully hardy until about the 1940s, mm. at which p- point I think it's famously some conservatory was uh, damaged and blew down, and the camellias carried on growing, and then it was because re- it had always been thought to be tender. But um, they're not, are they? They're, they're not, tough, uh, I mean, aren't they? Some, I mean, the, the, the bigger leaved species, the bigger flowered ones, actually, Camellia um, japonica was uh, originally brought over. Uh, by Robert Fortune, who had hoped to cross it with Camellia sinensis, which he calls a tea, and he was hoping to set up a Scottish <laughs> tea-growing industry. So we did know that they were hardy, and, and um, but some of the the more sort of um, highly cultivated varieties, for some reason, we thought weren't. The trick with Camellias is to make sure that you, you've Grown them in the same situation all year. So if you've bought it and you've got a conservatory or something like that, you might want to just keep it out of the frost for the winter. But not in a hot
1: conservatory. No,
2: no, no, no. Like a like a porch or something like that, or or just to put outside with some fleece over it, something like through the worst of the weather. Put it in its final position; it'll be fine from then onwards. But the other thing to watch is it mustn't get. uh, Early morning, morning sunshine. Sun. It's like, don't put it east-facing because it will damage the, the flower blooms every time when you get a frost.
1: But the answer is yes, you can. If you've got a sheltered garden yeah. is a sheltered position, the answer is yes, you can plant mm. it. And I know you are worry. You're saying the frost. Frost is on the surface only on a day mm. like today. It is not of danger. It will not affect the roots at all. No, no. So there, that's, uh, that's what we've got for you. So 0300 200 40 41. We've got a quarter of an hour left and we can get your calls in there. 0300 200 41. That's the number to call. Or oh, text us here in the studio. 0300 200 41. No, that's the phone number, wasn't it? 8133 <laughs> is the text number. Uh are. Give us a call. We said that we we've talked to Bev. We said we'd deal with Julie, but don't forget that number to call is 0300 240 41. Um, hi Ken, when is the best time to cut back hibiscus? Now
2: that's Julie. I think I was going to say no time. Am mm. I right, Mick? Really? <laughs> yeah, um well, it depends on some of these very big um, flowered hibiscus, which have been introduced, which can be cut oh, back. That, uh, that's the big one that you
1: that which, used but, to be. Is it hardy though? Because you see it in in Mediterranean countries it's, generally. It's don't borderline
2: you? hardiness, and you know, yeah. I think it's changed the genus name now. It's not an hibiscus anymore. I cannot remember off the top of my head, with that but it looks like it a hibiscus. But doesn't they, it? They, they can be taken down quite hard, uh, and some of the other ones like that a swamp hibiscus, which if it's if it if you're lucky enough to be mild in a mild area, you can keep it going. They, but those they, like. They get taken down hard as well,
1: but those like Woodbridge and the yeah. the, the blues, the, the blues and the white. Yeah, whites but the hibiscus
2: styaracius. Um, sty, that's yeah, you just that's leave that to form a. People always get concerned about it. It forms a very sort of ancient and venerable shrub over time, which usually gets covered in lichen. And that's and a then common question people thought, "Oh, yep. I've lichen over. It. I think it's killing it." Actually, what kills a hibiscus is just age. Because <laughs> <laughs> the they, they live forever. They they they, they just they, they grow into a really old thing. But they'll only produce some um, flowers on quite old wood. Is the thing so usually if you buy one, you might get a couple of flowers on it when it's young, and as it gets older, it gets covered in these lovely blue flowers. Uh, but so yeah. Don't prune it unless it's really getting in the way of something, is the thing. Just just shape it if it was needed, but preferably not.
1: Okay, now we've got one from Rob, I said. Uh, Rob wants to say, hi Ken and Mick, no flower buds on my Christmas cactus yet again this year. Keeping it dry in hope, any ideas? Um, you need well, to have fed it late summer.
2: Yeah. It should really be fed during the summer. Ideally, stuck outside during the summer as well, so it gets all the sort cool. of fluctuate. I mean, that, that my, there was one which my son uh, asked a friend who was emigrating over to Bulgaria if he could look after for them. He's not really looked after it himself, but <laughs> not said that. But he, um, he, uh, we, we've brought that in from outside now. Now, the thing is, it's, um, although it's a Slumbergia, so it looks like Christmas cactus, it never ever flowers until about February, March. So there are different um, yep. uh, variations. They sell them. them,
1: don't they? They sell them as Easter cactus. Yeah,
2: several <laughs> species, all of which look rare, right. fairly similar to each other. And so the thing is, like you say, if you, if you fed it during the summer, um, you, now you keep it a little cool bit on the dry. And fed
1: in the summer, yeah. cool, cool outside.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then on the dry side, now you bring it in. And then when the buds do start to. Then appear you water. At, Water it and also feed it with a high potassium fertiliser. You've got a little bit of um, tomato feed knocking about uh, from the summer. Use the rest of it, up, sparingly, but use the rest of it up then on you because that's what it needs for the flowers. And do not move it at all once the buds appear. Because it will drop, drop the off, buds. Yeah.
1: OK, yeah. let's go back to Rachel from Sawbridge. She's given us a call on 0300 200 40 41. We can squeeze your calls in before 12 o'clock. Um, so what have you got for us, Rachel? Hello, I've got a, a
7: magnolia tree. It's yes. a young magnolia tree, a year old, in a pot in the front garden. Mm-hmm. And I've gone out this morning, and it's in bud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, is it going to be killed with the frost?
2: When he uh, says it now, do you know which one you've got? Is it the one? Uh, is it one of the ones with a big tulip-shaped flowers? Or is it one with a star-shaped flowers, a no, the stellato? Tulip, tulip-shaped. So it's a so, so, so sulangiana uh, type, probably then. Um, if you say it's in bud, do you mean the buds are actually opening, or are they still no, tight and furry? They're
7: tight and furry. That's
2: fine. Don't do anything. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean the fact that the leaves have fallen off—you probably never noticed the lovely little furry buds on it. Right. Um Don't do a thing to it. Right? it's it's okay. fine. They are very hardy magnolias. As long as you haven't just put it out from somewhere else in the garden this week. No, no,
7: it's been it's... there now for about—I've had it about six months, and all I've had yeah. this
2: year has just been leaves. I've had no. Leaves. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you've only had it six months, I mean, it, um, it wouldn't. Doesn't flower till spring. Yeah, flowers Uh, Is it worth
7: me moving it from the front to the back garden, which is more sheltered?
2: No, leave it where it is. If If it's if it's happy and healthy there, leave it where it is. Lovely. Yeah. Okay. Now, OK. The, 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 the interesting thing is, although
1: I'm saying they flower in spring, you might find it will flower during the winter this year because of the season being a bit yeah, strange. we've
2: had some rhododendrons flowering prematurely. Quite, yeah. quite a few spring things have started to appear, and they might do intermittently through the winter. Magnolias usually pretty good, though. They usually yeah. uh, do hang on to the because the tug was quite tightly. They're interesting, they? look like little cat's paws on the yeah, end of the Yeah, and I'd stand. never
7: noticed them until this morning. And, of course, we'd had such a frost last night.
2: Yeah. Uh,
7: and I thought, oh, dear, is it going to die? Well,
2: it's a good um, job growing little furry jackets, isn't it? Yeah, it
1: is, it is. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. OK. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Bye. Bye-bye there. And I'd like to thank Gary, who says there is a half-hour delay in either direction on the A414 at Hyonga. It's due to road surfacing. Not an accident. That's not an accident at all but there is a half-hour delay on the A414 in High Onger. So look out for that one. Um, I've got a question here. Yes, you can give us a call now on 0300 200 41. Um, and I'll quickly ask this one before I go back to the phones. Georgian Wanstead. Oh, well, let's go. No, Georgian Wanstead. You'll have to wait for a minute because I want to go back to Janet. Hello, Janet. What Hello. you got? What you got I've for got us? I've
4: got a in a mm-hmm. pot. Yes, and earlier on it got red, uh, red spider. And I went to the garden center and they gave me a spray, yeah. And I sprayed it a few times, but the leaves on it are so pale, no,
2: mm, there's sort of silvering on there, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so you say it got red spider on it, I mean, um, it. it it sounds like it might be a combination of that. The other thing is, of course, how are you watering it? And I say, how are you? I don't mean using a watering can or a Are you watering it using mains water? Yes. Now, that That's will the make the soil alkaline and it will make the leaves tend to go yellow. What you need to do is you need to try and see if you can, this winter, save some rainwater. Get a rainwater or something like that. And water it with rainwater. And in the spring. Wow. Before, as you start to water it, you know, around about March time, water it a couple of times through the season with something called sequestrine, which is sequestered iron. Sequestrine was a brand name. It's practically just like saying sellotape or something like that yeah. now. So um So sequestered iron, which you'll get from a garden centre, probably probably about five or six pounds for a bottle of it, which will do you enough to water it this year, next year, the year after, you know, and and water it into the pot. But don't do that every time you water it. But that will give iron back into, release iron into the um, the compost. And as the acidity starts to build up again with the rainwater, the uh, iron will become more available. And that will stop this problem with the leaves going yellow. Okay.
4: Oh, that's lovely. Thank you very much.
1: That's no a pleasure. And we go to Betty in Rochford. We've still got room for... A, oh, yes, we've got Roman in Harlbridge who's asking about Christmas cactus. But we're going to go to poinsettias first. Come <laughs> on, we're very Christmassy <laughs> today, aren't we, Betty?
4: Hello.
1: What would you like to know, Betty? Yes,
4: um, well, a lady was talking about her poinsettia dot flowering. Yeah. And mine is... Well, not the brax. Mine has got ten... Lovely red bracts on it.
1: Fantastic. Like, now have have you treated it differently at all?
4: I kept it in my back bedroom with no light, no artificial light at all.
2: Perfect. It just don't it's a real trick of it. Just don't turn the light on.
4: That's right. Yeah. Yes. I, I I don't go in there at night. You know, I just yeah. leave it.
2: If and you have to uh, go in there I at mean, night, get yourself a uh, like a red torch or something like that to go and uh, sort of mooch around uh, in the, the room <laughs> until it's yeah, until it's that's actually that's got better. the red backs bl- mm. on there.
1: Yeah. Well done to you, and it's good advice yeah. for other people, isn't it, Betty? Yes,
4: and it, it's branched out. I repotted it, and it's branched out. It's like a bush now.
1: That's what you, yeah, well, I mean, if you mm. see them growing in Madeira, they're six foot high. They're incredible. Yeah,
4: I have seen them in Tenerife. Well, there you, the, you are. There
1: you you go. see yeah. yeah. Okay, then, Betty, I thank you very delicious. much. Thank you for that one. That's a lovely one to hear, isn't it? Mm. Raymond in Hullbridge, now, you've got a Christmas cactus. What's it doing at this moment? It's in full bloom at the moment. Okay, then, come on, Um, you've got it right. What do you do to it to make it work like that?
3: Well, what happens is um, I I normally, um, in the summertime, I keep it in the greenhouse Mm. um, and then feed it every now and again with a little drop of the old um, tomato feed. Mm. And that, and then um I take it out um when the weather changes and put it in the conservatory yeah uh, and then feed it every week, like with a drop of uh, water, you know and that um and it blooms beautiful every so year. do when with, you
1: use yep. when you use your tomato food, do you dilute it at the normal rate that it yes. recommends for tomatoes Yes, right. It sounds like you've got a winning recipe, haven't you, Raymond? Yeah.
3: It, I mean, it blooms... Well, I've got three, actually. I've got a red one and then the uh, purpley colored one. And they're all the same. They all, all bloom just before Christmas.
1: Every, I'll t- every
3: time. I'll
1: tell you what, Raymond, stay on there, because I've got Peter, who does not quite the same as you, and it'll be interesting for you to chat together about what's going <laughs> on. Peter, did you hear what Raymond was saying?
5: Yes, I did, actually. Well, and now, you... I'm going to tell you what I do with mine. I never do nothing with ours. We just put in the lean-to, leave it there. One from, we've had it now about 10 years, maybe longer, and it blooms every year we do. Never put nothing on it, not a thing. Leave it as hidden away it goes.
1: And you, so you get masses of blooms as well? Yeah. It's,
5: it's a shame we didn't get to back to home in time. We would have sent you a, a, a photograph, of it, but we'll yeah. do it next week for you. When, said, when you, you say you put
2: in presumably nothing. you water it, though. You do water no, it do sometimes. Nothing. We do, yeah. No,
5: nothing. Do nothing at all. Nothing. You don't water it? No, nothing. Not a thing.
2: <laughs> but hang on.
5: It must need some
1: some water, Peter, because plants have to have water.
5: Well, I have yeah. to tell you, we've n- I've never, myself and no, my wife, never ever watered. Left it there, and away it goes.
1: And how long you had this, Peter?
5: For about probably ten or twelve years, actually. Yeah, you... same
3: as mine. Mine's <laughs> about that old.
1: But, but Raymond, you're watering it and feeding it, and Peter's doing nothing, and you're getting the same results. Right. Yeah. So who who do you reckon's I mean, right? It, it,
3: it grows really big. I mean, things break off it, and all I do is I just stick it back in the pot again, and and they and the, the little shoots grow again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it goes on and on and on.
1: Peter and Raymond, they are, you, do you know, uh, Mick was saying earlier on, if you put all the gardeners in a room together, they'd all yes, have indeed, different yeah. opinions about <laughs> how to grow things. Raymond and Peter, you have just proved exactly what we were saying. Two, there's more mm. ways of skinning a cat. Sam Jackson would be proud to
2: hear all this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Raymond, Raymond, thank you very much for your thank call. You. And Peter, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing your picture next week.
3: Yeah, I have a nice I've Christmas. you one as well, Ken. OK, that would be right. lovely.
1: Yeah, right, not... Thank bye. you. bye Good luck. Bye-bye Bye-bye. Then, bye let's bye. Looking forward to Raymond and Peter's pictures <laughs> for next week. Mick, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm sure in the future we'll get more points at your questions, Christmas tree questions, and even Christmas I look
2: pictures. forward to them.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther.
1: Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast and if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex Next week my guest will be Tom Cole Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us why not give us a call on 0300 200 4041 41 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11.